So everybody, we get to play again today on Advancing Consciousness Podcast, and today we have a beautiful guest, and it's Katya Williams. Um, I have known her for a while. Uh, we have met a few years ago in uh, at a retreat. I would imagine that was the start, but uh, she's gone through a lot of changes in her life since then. Uh, she's been sort of uh, someone that I connect with time to time for sessions and also discussions. And the reason we have her today, because she has a lot of different skill sets that, uh, that I found was great to share with, uh, with people. I know she's going to be focusing on asking questions, and I love the questions that she asks because the questions are pretty uh, direct and focused to a lot of things that are going on on the planet and in people's lives. But there's also questions that a lot of people don't think of asking, but they have it in the back of their mind and so forth. So... Uh, the purpose of all of our podcasts and anything that we do is to kind of trigger your memory, to activate, to bring you to a newer uh, state of being. So I'm blessed to have Katya to play with today. And I say play because that's what we're going to do is play. We're not here to be serious, but we're going to share some pretty powerful content, but at the same time in a playful manner. Because again, you know, we all realize that we came here to play together. We came here to advance, to learn, to expand, and do some amazing uh, transformations, especially now when things are really ramping up. So, Katya, what would you like to say about uh, some of your adventures and things like that that you've experienced? Mm, thank you, uh, thanks for having me, first of all. This oh. is really exciting. Um, and as you mentioned, all of our conversations are always so insightful. We go down some amazing rabbit holes <laughs> that at the end of it, it's always like, oh my God, I wish we recorded this for something that we could share. So I'm really excited to do this and uh, really looking forward to seeing where, what rabbit hole we go down today. <laughs> because oh, it's, it's always a, a great rabbit hole. And, uh, and that was the, the thing is that whenever we have discussions and things of that, uh, really some good, good information comes about. And like you said, we haven't been recording it. And mm -hmm. now we are recording it. Now we're sharing it. And uh, so uh, people get to, uh, to uh, utilize what we share in our conversation. Oh, I love so, it. Thank yeah. you for being part of this. And, thank you. Uh, so let's play. Okay. Well, maybe it just was inspired. Um, why don't we start with something? The last conversation we had not too long ago, one of the things that came up was the idea let me go here okay it's on the topic of truth mm. and this has been coming up with it's been a consistent theme with me my own life my whole life as i reflected back just recently has all been about this quest for being able to discern the truth and in many areas um, i find i have uh, maybe a natural ability to locate the truth more easily but in some other areas, it's really tricky, especially in the world of spirituality and all the new age talk. And then I would find myself sitting back and going, is that really true? Or the, the level of truth behind it. So last time we spoke, um, and it was prompted, I think because what I've, I've been doing lately is making sure that learning how to discern the truth for ourselves is something that I'm trying to make sure I'm always bringing into the work 
in my own practice with people. So we were talking about this and the idea was essentially, and I'd love to have us revisit this for everybody, is the idea that there's ultimately only one ultimate truth. Mm -hmm. uh, because at times, um, well, at times it appears like there's many versions of it. And often it comes into conversations, and this is why I really want to bring this into conversation, is um, the idea that perhaps there is an ultimate truth. And as I even have that discussion, I hear egos everywhere that are listening to this going, but wait a minute, I want my truth to be recognized. I have my own independent truth. Mm -hmm. So it can come across as confusing to folks. And um, one thing, if we could bring some clarity to how to discern truth for yourself, but really starting with maybe the idea of, what you mean by there being ultimately one truth because you franco are someone that i've so appreciated your teachings and your perspective because for me you really come across as someone who's able to deliver the perspective of really an undistorted perspective let's say of truth and oneness and who we are and who we are in relationship to others and to the universe and the world around us so the topic of truth that's a big one and uh, because there's so many facets to what we call truth and you made you you really pointed out something about like everybody likes to have their own truth and whatever it is we live in a reality where we design the reality and we also organize and orchestrate all the playmates within it so we can have what we call subjective truth. We can have truth that is temporary. And what does that mean? We can adopt an idea, concept, or belief and any form of perception around that and say, this is what I want to give power to. This is what I want to be my truth right now. And I'm going to shape my reality accordingly. And that's the thing that people say, I want to live my truth. Okay. So at that point, you're basically creating a playground with your own knowing of whatever that may be that you're choosing to shape and you build around that. Now, anything of that nature is temporary because it's always changing. What changes it? You change it. Each one of us are changing it. Each one of us have had experiences in our lives where we've adopted a certain truth they come from all types from different resources could have come from the educational world media world came from each other it came from religion there's many truths of sort that we adopted these are adopted are they true to the fundamental no they're true to the playmates there because they made it so but it's temporary so you could say, well, in this religion or in this there, the truth is this. As long as you're putting power into it and you're actually uh, integrating that in your life, now that ends up being what you use to, to shape your life and have a sequence of experiences accordingly. So there's those type of truth. Then there's also the truth where on this planet there's gravity there's this there's that it works this way right and so you say well the truth is that this person did this 
that this person discovered that, that there is gravity, that there is, you know, a, a start and a finish and all of that stuff. So there are that type of truth, but that's a collective truth. Again, it's temporary because we're playing in a field that is completely shaped by us. So for anyone that could say levitate, they go beyond the operating system and the belief that there's gravity. Now, we've agreed upon to maintain a certain level of gravity and that will vary. <clears throat> some people will feel that the gravity is really powerful and some people would only not even notice it, but it becomes part of their experience. So if you're at the top of the building and you know, you're going to jump, you're going to know at that point in time, you have the, the idea that you, the, the, the gravity is going to pull you down and you're going to have a, a bit of an impact. Okay. And you, it may be associated with other beliefs that at that point in time, the truth is if you jump off this building, you're going to possibly not end up being in the same form. <laughs> so there's a truth to that. However, if you're there in that space and you're going into um, the truth of saying it's just a reality and I can shape any part of it and I'm not limited to what I've believed up to this point in time body-wise, then you can now fly. Mm -hmm. You can now teleport. You now can shapeshift. You can do a lot of different things at that point. So it goes beyond that adopted original so-called truth. If you're referring to the truth of saying, well, it's true that we have this in our lives. So if I consume this, it's going to respond a certain way in our body. Now, of course, that's subjective too, because some people flourish with certain foods. I'm just giving you an example and others may not, right? The truth is this may be poison for one person and not on another person because of whatever you know their their makeup is and what they've agreed and what range of frequency they're going to work in and if they have a resistance to a certain frequency so the truth is if i eat this it's going to kill me or it's going to make me very sick or it's going to compromise me or whatever and somebody else says i eat this and i feel really good i feel high i feel whatever right so those again are and you're bringing other components of yourself, being the physical, the human entity, the soul, and you use the racial of how you do it uh, accordingly. Now, of course, you can have the idea of saying, well, the truth is there is polarity, there is a karma, there is this way of life, and so forth. Well, yeah, it may be true if we're going to play there, and we're, if we're tuned to that frequency and we give power to it, of course, there's going to be a truth to it and it's going to feel a certain way. So good, bad, right, wrong. Is it real? No, but it is real because we made it real. Mm -hmm. So there's the truth that there's good people and there's bad people. When you actually go beyond, really that doesn't exist. Now, if you're talking about a higher level of truth and we're going now to the true essence of who you are, Mm -hmm. And the true essence right to the mechanics, or like you said, the rabbit hole going right into the depth of how everything works. Now you're tapping into that level 
And that level goes into a deeper truth that really kind of minimizes a lot of the whatever else that we've given power to, to truth. So is it true that we are ultimate source? Yes, we are. We're in a field of energy, of consciousness, spectrum of light. We are the shapers. We are the designers with all other aspects of ourselves. We are the facet of source we call spirit. There's a difference between the two. Mm -hmm. They're both one and they're both the same, but there's source that is the base field. Then there's spirit that is the field within the field that is active in creation and experiencing and expanding. So us, anything that we create as a playground, as a form, as an experience of any sort, is us being spirit as source. So understanding that, and we look at that fundamental, then you can see that there's nothing real. Mm. The realism that you're this field of consciousness, absolutely. We create realities, we create playgrounds, we create physicalities. There is no right, there is no wrong, there's no good, there's no black, there's no dark and light and all of that. Everything is full spectrum, which we can use as a focal point, as an experiment, as a playfulness, to create those realities, create and give a certain level of power and what we can call subjective truth. Mm. So does anybody have power over us or anything? When you really look at it, no, we don't. We are ultimately our own designers. And so going into that truth, you say, okay, now I know my reference point. I do not have to give power to fear and separation and polarity or anything of nature, but I can use it. I can use any part of it temporarily and I can see it in its true nature. It's true nature. It's completely flexible and it can disappear at the same time or basically blend back into the field. The field is like this energy, this consciousness that you take bits and pieces and apply what you have chosen as your consciousness and create form. Now the planet, the solar system, the galaxy and the universe are collective creations from different levels. So planet Earth is, is a collective creation, but it's also part of the extension of our solar system. Every planet influences what is the makeup of planet Earth, including the sun, but also the galaxy in itself, specifically much more uh, intimately in the quadrant that we're the hub of. So we, as much as Gaia supports through physical form, what looks like physical form, which is a holographic projection of physicality, we're the one that actually, as the components coming in as the physicality, as the human entity, which is the earthbound soul and the soul itself shapes the experience and how you represent yourself to others and how you play. And these others are another aspect of you. So one of the things that I've been doing over the years is I go to the core as much as possible so that we can work there from there. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it doesn't negate our experience. It doesn't say, well, you know, uh, this is valueless. I mean, that planet Earth or this experience is meaningless. No, it isn't. It is meaningful. Mm -hmm. It is meaningful because it provides us the opportunity to have an experience on a playground that you would not be able to uh, without physicality and the planetary Earth. Now, even though it's a light show, and if you actually went into the oneness, all of it disappears anyways, because you're just basically in the field of energy. Now, some people call it the field of possibilities. Yeah, you can call it that. But it goes beyond possibility. It goes through creation, imagination, whatever, to the point where possibilities is not only endless, it, it, does, it goes way beyond that. It's just you're, you're tapping into that field where you can create anything and experience anything. Now, the reason we did, we've come together on planet Earth is because we felt that this was a good play, playground for us to co-create with and to, to experience one another. So we set some rules and a fundamental operating system so, uh, so that we would all have a similar version of the Earth to play with or this playground. And then we can adapt our own reality accordingly and then, of course, we created multiple facets of it, depending on where on the planet you're on, not only energetically encodement, but also the representation of the clusters of collectives that are in there, uh, in those areas, for example. So if you're going to go to Europe, you're going to play with the, the clusters of, say, France or, you know, Italy or, you know, Spain, uh, whatever, you know, uh, Spain is probably not the right one, but at this point, you know, uh, going into Germany, whatever. So you're, you're looking at any of those areas and say, okay, I'm entering that collective and I'm going to be exposed to that energy and I'm going to shape myself accordingly. You know, I can hold any part of my natural state. So um, the reason I've looked at and, and I put a lot of focus on what we call the true essence and work from there is because right now we're going through a lot of changes. If we slow ourselves down to adopt a lot of so-called temporary truth, it can serve, absolutely. However, at the same time, does it really advance us in a powerful way? For example, we have this idea of self-esteem or good enough or not good enough, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, somebody can say, oh, I'm not feeling good enough. So you can now work towards making them feel good enough for themselves. So what you're doing is you're still playing in the polarity world, those adopted truths. Now, you adopt the truth because of certain circumstances, labels, and definitions, personally, collectively, and from your surroundings, that, oh, because I didn't do this, or because I did this, I'm not good enough, or because I'm not accepted, whatever it is. So now you can work towards that and say, build up all these stories that you're good enough. Okay. Yeah. So now you've gone from one creation focus point to another. The truth is neither exists. Mm. But at the same time, 
there's truth in each one. So you can go into one and say, well, no, it's true. I, you know, I am experiencing not feeling good enough. Yes, you're playing in that collective little consciousness that has been established in the energies that are involved. So for us to really advance, I'm not saying negate everything, but let's use the fundamental basis. That is, none of it exists. Mm -hmm. It's not real. So when I say that, let me qualify that. The idea of playing the polarity, you're good enough or not good enough, is something that we create as a term of play. But you can say, I'm going to merge it together and let it disappear because now I'm not going to give power that I'm good enough or not good enough. Because the thing is, one of the things I found over the years, I've been doing this for 36 years now, and uh, working with people and whatever else in, in sessions and observing and, you know, tapping to what I do tap into. And what I found is that, you know, in the self-development world or self-help world or any of that stuff, it's always been the focus of shifting mm -hmm. not good enough to good enough, for example. Successful, mm -hmm. not unsuccessful or failure, whatever it is, and, and all of that stuff. Um, and playing the game right? Which is great. But what I've noticed over the years, and this has been around for a long time, is that you can shift one place to the other temporarily, but the, the other is still very active and it's still very magnetic. So in essence, you know, different things will get triggered so that that memory comes back. So you can go from back, back and forth and you can, you know, put a lot of effort and energy in feeling good about yourself or whatever it is. So I found that if you actually dissolve it in truth, because it doesn't exist, mm -hmm. then it does, both sides collapse. They can't exist. So in your reality, you are you. And you are that beautiful expression, whatever you are. And you can play with it, but it doesn't govern you. It doesn't direct you. You're not in that field any longer. So you're not especially now with the energies that are going in right now, a lot of people shifted from not feeling good enough. I'm just staying on the same example, just so that people can don't get confused. Mm -hmm. And they've done a lot of work on themselves to feel good about themselves, good about their body, good about their personality, good about, you know, uh, their achievements and whatever. So what's happening now? Energetically, everything that's happening right now, they're being pushed and challenged and so forth. And all these facades that they've created, all they're saying, I'm happy about my body, I'm happy about my exercise regime, I'm, I'm happy because I put makeup on or don't put on makeup or whatever I'm happy for, you know, that I'm a CEO of the company or whatever it is. All of that right now is being challenged in a powerful way. Mm. Why? Because it it still puts you in so-called box or limited parameter of play. So that's getting challenged, not to go to not feel good about yourself, is to look at my value or focus is on one or the other. The thing is you want to feel your essence without a dependency on say your career, your body looking a certain way, that you are being esteemed by others, and so forth. Because the push right now, the true push is to become natural, your essence. 
where you can play in the career, but it does not define you. It does not label you. It does not control you. You can be in your physicality being fit or whatever you want to call it, but it does not define you. It does not label you. It does not make you superior to anybody else. You're not going to even notice it. You're going to do what you feel naturally to do because it feels comfortable. It's something you enjoy rather than doing it because you need to feel good about yourself or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of truth. You know, the other part of the truth is, yeah, we're going through a powerful transformation. We have the option. We have the freedom to direct every part of it. We're, it's not about our, out of our hands. However, we've created and adopted the illusion that it's out of our hands, that others are actually in charge, which is all fictional because the truth is no. We've abide to that idea because we're playing with the idea, but it's not really adhere to, to it. So that's kind of how you could look at it and say, well, you know, the truth is I am who I am. I'm a powerful being. I came here to play. I came here to do whatever I came to do. And it's all flexible. And I'm going to use my own navigational system. This is why it's so hard to attach to um, a certain role. Mm -hmm. You can start with a certain role, but it has to remain absolutely flexible. Like even the work I do, I always maintain flexibility. That's a choice that I made because my content that I'm sharing, which is what everybody has within themselves, is always shaping to be exactly what people are ready for in different stages of their life, personally and collectively. So, yeah, I play a particular role. I'm, I have the same problem as you do. I cannot define myself and say, oh, I am a coach, I am this, I am that. No, because, and I've had this issue for 36 years. People say, what do you do? I just work with people to discover themselves. What does that look like? Is that a coach? You know, it could be, but you know, it's, it's not limited to that. Is it about, you know, you help people, you know, clear out programs? Well, that's involved, true. But what is that? So they get to see how they're operating so they can make changes in their lives because they're ready for it, because they're ready to let go of those other so-called adopted truths about themselves. Mm. Like even an experience traumatic. We make it so real, so true that that happened to me. Yes, that's great. It happened. Uh, but it was a co-creation and an experience. But what you've now defined it and labeled it, it's all yours. The fact that this person perpetrated or came in and, and caused harm of some sort was an agreed experience that they played a role that you've labeled it that, just to give you whatever it is. But the truth is, you played with each other. You've taken on each other's uh, script to play the role, to assist each other. The truth is, we're creating an opportunity, no matter whatever happened or did not happen. It doesn't matter what it is. 
an opportunity to have certain experiences that could not be done otherwise. Opportunities for us to enrich our experience, to grow, and to take down all the adopted parts, because we're done with most of it, and really get to the core trueness of who you are. So that's the truth part. Mm -hmm. No, and, and Franco, thank you for going into that and kind of going down a couple different tangents with it. Because at least from, from what I've seen in people, people that I work with, even just observing, is that if we can get them, if, if, we're, if it's possible to share a perspective that goes straight to that core truth, um, specifically meaning like the core truth of who we are in relationship to, call it the universe or source, or that we really are these God creators, so to speak, the rest starts to fall away. But there's often so much, at least what I find, you may find the same sort of thing, that there's, there's often, when you go straight to it, as opposed to beating around the bush, mm -hmm. we're really challenging core beliefs of folks. And I find, okay, and I've had this uh, experience recently too, in contrast, where if I'm working with folks in a long-term program, whether it's like two months or a year or something like that, then we have the relationship time to build. Like, okay, get ready because your beliefs and your cores are going to be challenged. And that's literally what happens. But then when it's a short burst of an experience, it can be very interesting to navigate because you don't have the luxury of time or of a solid foundational relationship with some people to be able to go straight to the truth. Well, you still have the choice to do it, I suppose, right? Which I, I guess I generally go there anyways, mm -hmm. um, kind of like a bull in a china shop sometimes, you know, knowing what that core truth is and then just offering it. But it really is, um, I can't seem to, and I've gone, gone over this in my mind several times and when I consider how to best approach something or share concepts with, with people, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or particularly in a group setting, to get people to... Um, a place of being able to see the truth of who they are and then come to these transformational shifts that happen in their awareness and their consciousness, how to get there quickly. And it always seems to come back to the same thing. Don't beat around the bush. Just go straight in. Exactly. Right? Yeah, when so, you do that, that's perfect because when you do that, when you go, like, the thing is, whatever you need to say, how you need to share, share it, whatever direction you need to go, when you're actually being present with yourself and you're feeling your self inner guidance uh, without the ego just jumping in and saying, oh, you should say that or fix them there because they're, they're wrong, whatever it is, mm. you will know exactly what to say and when to say it. I don't strategize what I'm going to say about anything with anyone. I just go with the flow. And that's mm -hmm. the thing. And uh, you'll know because you will receive the cues of what they need to hear, even if you have to be the bull in the china shop in certain areas, because sometimes that is required to shake, shake things up, but they're asking to be shaken up, not because they may, you know, oh, I did something wrong and I need to be shaken up. No, it's a matter of, okay, I'm still holding on too tightly here and I have to uh, relax. So I need to see what's really playing out. The thing is, this is where the truth comes in also, um, is that if you're being completely in that state of saying, hey, you know something? There's nothing wrong with you. 
you're having an experience and all we're going to look at is some stories, programs, belief systems, and perceptions that you've adopted that served you right up to this moment that now you're interested in looking at it to clear it out so that you can play more freely in a different state. That's all. Mm. Well, that's so true. Um, one of the things you just reminded me of was, um, and really this idea of being able to hold to that highest perspective of the person that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, maybe people can relate to this. There's this idea of holding space, right? Being able to hold space for the people that, uh, whether it's just a friend or a family member who's going through something, or especially if you're a practitioner or someone who's, you know, in the personal growth space, trying to professionally hold space, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's this idea of holding space and what that means, which I see it as having kind of two definitions, one that adheres to the truth and one that adheres to um, perpetuating an old belief system. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, words that were given to me recently was, well, my pain is sacred and it needs to be honored. You know, and the idea that sometimes as a uh, space holder, okay, the person playing that role, whether it's a therapist or whatever it may be, that we need to be willing to hold a certain amount of space, whether I will interpret it in this example as like uh, time, allowing the person to really um, get in touch with and stay in that place of the pain, whether it's fear or um, it can be so many things, but just these heavy, dense emotions, mm -hmm. uh, anger, rage, whatever it may be. And what I found myself confronted with a few different times, and it always starts out very uncomfortable in some cases, especially for the receiving person, but even for myself as the person trying to hold space, is that sometimes you'll have someone that um, is going through something and whatever experience you've brought them into, they're then very much triggered back into the moment. And so the emotions are coming up, the tears start coming, and you're kind of riding this line of like, okay, if we keep going down this path, it's just going to be a complete unraveling. Or do I veer off and take him down this other path where we just, like we talked about before, go straight into the truth, which as far as the mind's concerned in the heat of the moment. So when something's in completely triggered and I've seen, okay, that choice point as someone holding the space that if I, or we go straight into the truth of the situation and start identifying things and just calling them out from the perspective of a higher place of consciousness, or how the soul or higher self might see it, it's very sort of um, jarring in a sense and really throws the mind off. But then after that, if we are able to go deeper, then it's like, it's almost like a divine shortcut. <laughs> you get to bypass a lot of the, what feels like heavy lifting by going mm -hmm. through and holding the space and allowing the tears and going into a lot of the discussion of the story and so forth, we can get right to it. And then everything can start to naturally, as you mentioned, sort of dismantle. But then if we don't go that route, what's been interesting, I found a couple of times where the individual will say, I don't feel like you held space for me. I don't feel like my feelings were acknowledged. Um, so it's a really interesting place to be. But then again, if we went right back into the conversation of those core truths 
and sharing the idea that, because for me, Franco, it feels like the best way that I can hold space for any other human on this journey is that no matter what they're presenting to me or to any of us, seeing them for the divine creator that they are and never varying from that or never veering off that, always seeing them in their most powerful light, especially in those moments when they don't see it for themselves. Maybe you could comment on that whole thing. Yeah, some really good points. Um, I'm just writing that down. Mm -hmm. but regarding the, uh, uh, the holding space, mm -hmm. uh, what I found and what I work with people is that, yeah, if they're going through an emotional experience, whatever it is. Now, we have two types of compassion. Mm -hmm. There's the made up one and true compassion. There's the truth word again. Uh, the true nature of compassion is understanding that somebody's having a particular experience or journey or has had a particular experience. They have put a lot of emotional charges to it and whatever else and may feel so real to them and what well, you can call painful or whatever it is. So you appreciate that. You appreciate that they're that. And, but you still see them as this beautiful, powerful being that created that particular experience to have a beautiful experience to engage others and whatever else. So let's take a look at it from that perspective. Rather than the compassion of feeling bad that they went down that road, that uh, those things happened, that there was pain or whatever there may have been. That's the made up one. That's in the inverted world. That was the backwards world, and, and which is fine. There's nothing to demonize about it because it was a great experience to make it so real and get lost in it. But now that's the thing. So when you're holding space and you're going down a path where it's bringing up emotions, the space you hold is neutrality for yourself, for them. So you're with them and say, Yes, I can see the realism and I can really understand how it can be painful for you or that the fact that you felt violated, whatever it is. And you can acknowledge and let them have their experience. But at the same time, you're also introducing and saying, you know, uh, redirecting them in a, in, in a sense of saying, okay, so let's take a look at what's going on here. You felt afraid and whatever else. And now let's, let's take a look at it. You know, while they're in that, what's the fear about? What are you afraid of? Okay. And they said, well, that I could be harmed even further, you know, or something of that nature. And if, uh, if you knew that you had the power to say no, and they would disappear or they would stop because you were that powerful, what would you say to that person? Just to use an example. I would say, stop. I say, okay, but you're saying stop because you're afraid and you don't, you want them to stop or stop because you're done with the experience. Well, I'm done with the experience. I said, okay, that's, that's appreciate where you're at right now. Let's feel really good that you're having this experience. Well, I don't know how I can feel good about having this experience. I go, no, no, just that's, that's do the pretend game if we want to. Let's feel that it feels good to have that experience and that you really can say, oh, you know something, I can turn it on and turn it off. So 
what you're doing is you're interjecting certain parts of it during the discussion. Now, of course, it's going to be different for different people, right? Some people use trauma as their facade, okay? They created a world around that, okay? And so there you have to jar them a little bit or a lot. So I've had people come in and they're having an emotional breakdown. Oh my God, this happened to me, whatever it is, okay? Or, you know, they're getting hysterical. And so that I use a couple of things or I have used a couple of things. Sometimes I would just divert them in the sense of uh, saying, hey, you know, what color are your underwear? Right? Yeah. And, you know, they may, what does that got to do with it? Well, it's really, really important right at this moment, right? And so yeah. what it does, it breaks down that, that pattern that they were in. You yeah, created an interruption, right? Yes. So that's one thing. And then, you know, by the time they get there, they lost the wind that they were or the wave of energy and the emotions that they were running into. Well, I need to get back into it. And I go, okay, well, we could, but can we take a look at it in a different way? Right? And then you walk them through it. The other way is that I've shocked, like people call it shock, and they're going through that and I go, let me ask you, are you really having fun right now? No, I'm not. Why not? Why are you not having fun? Because this is painful. Okay, so let's take a look at it and see if this is just a game, a make-believe game or whatever it is, right? And let's pretend that this is a roller coaster ride, something that is scaring you and it's intense or whatever else, but we're having fun because we're gonna, you know, yay, we're having fun with this experience, right? Um, and by, again, that creates another disruption and you're, you're now let them look at the fun part. The reason I do that is because if you allow it just to continue growing, you're gonna have, let me give you some examples here, and I'm sure you can relate with this because the fact you've had other people that you worked with. A lot of people hop from one facilitator to another, another one coach to another, whatever. And they may say that they want to create a shift in their life, but they're actually looking for people to qualify the pain someone to <laughs> i'm sorry agree with them agree with them and mm. say oh yeah because i've seen this happen uh i've seen this happen with other facilitators in uh, in groups right because uh, i was teaching other facilitators at different times in my life um and they were going oh yeah that was terrible you you know that 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 person should have never done that for you and whatever it is and i go oh okay we're now really getting into reinforcing it or the fact of just listening to it so now you you get in there and you have to kind of shift things so when somebody comes to you and says okay i'm you know i'm having all these challenges and you ask you could ask them are you ready to really take a profound shift mm -hmm. that may require you to let go of your stories, but even let go of what you've identified yourself with. It may even require you to let go of what you believe about yourself. Mm. Are you prepared for that? That's so big. Yeah. And, you know, if they say yes, or I'm not so sure, I said, well, that's, you're here. So that's start to play that mm. word, play. Mm. That's work. Yeah, play. Let's play with this. 
That's well, this is serious. <laughs> what do you mean play? No, nothing is serious. Truth again, nothing mm -hmm. is serious. Everything is adopted. Everything is flexible. And we are the only ones that can give realism and it's temporary realism because it's not real. Because none of it is real. So in essence, you can direct them accordingly for that. So let's play. Let's take a look at these things. Let's see what's coming up. What do you mean it's coming? Let's play with what you interpreted, what you adopted, what you utilized along the way. Because we're going to have some fun with this. Those words actually change. The same thing with the whole idea of healing. Mm, I do not use that word. It is not empowering. Mm. And it will elongate the experience. When I say elongate, lengthen it. It's, take, it. it's mm -hmm. extended. You know, let it last a lot longer. So when somebody says, I got to heal from my wounds. And I go, what wounds? What are you talking about? Let's play with this. <laughs> Well, this happened to me and I haven't healed from it. My father did this to me. And I said, oh, okay, so let's play with that. Your father did what? And what did he say? What does that mean? You know, and, and go down that path because it's not really about healing, even if it's physical. It's not about healing because there's nothing to heal. Mm -hmm. That's a made up, long uh, path, unnecessary in any way, shape or form. However, people give it a lot of power and truth. That's okay, temporary, because when yeah. you discover it, all you're doing is facilitating somebody to shift their viewpoint, shift their focus and their experience, their view of the experience, their physical, everything shifts accordingly. Mm -hmm. So it's not about, because nobody is broken. Everybody's just having the perfect experience. They may have put a lot of focus in it and they may think that they're having a bad experience, but it is just what it is. The truth is, it's just an experience. What you do with the experience, how you shape it, how you give it value, you, how much power you give it to it, is um, your doing. The fact that the experience even exists is your doing. Not because you could make a mistake or you went down the wrong path or you made the wrong choice. No, you designed it in absolute perfection. Mm. And in that absolute perfection, you brought yourself to that level of realism, which now you're now ready to say, okay, you know something? That was cool. That was a great experience. This is why not only acknowledging, appreciating it, thank it, and then love it because it's an ultimate design creation that you use that provided enough realism, enough oomph to be able to really utilize it to the best you could. But now what are you doing? You're looking at that perfection and say, hey, you know, I've changed my preference, my focus of how I want to play. It's changed. So I want to create or I'm going to create something different. Not that one's better than the other. You can't look at your life and say, I had a series of bad experiences. You had a series of experiences that you've labeled as bad in the polarity world, but you had experiences that was beautifully created to give you exactly what you needed just to bring you where you are today.
Did it have to be that way? No, but you can design along the way. Did you make a mistake from it? No, always perfect. So interjecting all of that stuff and being in that playfulness, you advance the process that people go through from shifting from one state to the other. Oh my gosh, yeah. I totally, um, I see that so often um, that it's given me enough evidence to say to just not really not waste time not getting there first mm -hmm. um, but you brought up so many things franco that i want to just acknowledge quickly yep. um, one is this idea of of reframing things with playfulness and then going back to the core um, especially with things to do with trauma and it's interesting, there've been um, many people that have, have come to the work that I do in one form or another who end up revealing that, you know, there's this core trauma that's been with me my whole life since I was a child. And under, maybe in other environments, it would be something really sensitive, especially, um, you know, to do with, with um, sexuality and especially with family members or people who are really close to you who have done, you know, these different things that are sensitive, right, to, to, for people to talk to. But even in these most sensitive cases and situations that are brought to the table, they often don't even, which, is, which I find fascinating, they don't even have to be verbalized. Like someone can be coming to the table or, or a discussion is open and we start to focus on their situation, which they haven't even really explained all the nuts and bolts about it. It comes out later. But they may simply say, one, one woman um, shared her experience was had to do with her dad. And it was a very sensitive situation. Most people would go, oh my God, that is so traumatic. How are you able to you know, see men in this positive light because of that? And I'm not kidding, within about, I would say about 15 minutes of just really discussion. And this is the part that I think people are um, surprised by that you know the old way of maybe going to a healer and i don't i can't identify with that myself but going to other um, practitioners and having discussions about the situation they were expecting something more perhaps hands-on do some i say this loosely and in, in complete fun but like do some magic on me you know like like make this go away dissolve it but what is often underestimated it seems uh, in my own experience is the power of simply discussing and reframing things. And I love using the playfulness because it's very disarming. It acts like a pattern interrupt all on its own because like, oh my God, is this person actually teasing me about the fact that I was molested? Is that really happening? But when it's coming, like you mentioned before, from this place of love and from this place of let's not look at it so seriously. Oh my God, that was a big thing you picked. Holy smacks. <laughs> <laughs> to play with. Okay. And literally within a matter of about 15 minutes, being able to take them from the original perspective of, oh my God, this has been done to me. How do I heal from this to, wow. Now I look back at my father, I would bring them into that place. Hope you didn't feel that uh, vibration here um, in the background, but bringing them to that place of like, okay, now how does it feel as you look back at that same memory? The memory is still intact. Nothing has changed. Not like we've pulled anything out of the memory banks, but it's been reframed where there's no longer the label associated with it. It's like, oh, wow, 
that was just something that happened. And really fascinating to me is how nothing has meaning until the mind, AKA the ego, applies the label, applies the definition to it, as I know you like to, to share and talk about. Um, and so if we can go back to that core truth, again, to bring that back to <laughs> our theme, that we can allow all of these paradigms to really just melt away. It's so powerful. So I love that. And yeah, the other thing, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say the other piece that um, has been such a powerful tool for me, and I've continued to perpetuate this moving forward with the people that, that I now work with, is the idea of appreciation, that subtle shift of perspective regardless of what the topic may be that we're talking about, regardless of the situation, the trauma, the, the horrific experience that someone may have had, but being able to appreciate it as a tool of sorts, a tool for expansion of consciousness, a tool for that can be serving in so many ways, that's been huge. And I witness that on a regular basis with folks. And that really, maybe you can speak to this, Franco, but this idea of appreciation from the higher perspective of the higher self or soul, that kind of higher type of appreciation is from what I can tell, one of the biggest turning points in someone's perspective, being able to take them from an old paradigm view and then taking them into this more expanded view where they're now kind of starting to enter into the path of a oneness perspective, maybe even at the very first, but that seems to be a critical turning point. Would you agree? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I, I know sometimes it can be difficult for people to relate with, with that, but uh, at the same time, when you're stepping back and, and seeing it, you know, uh, and again, even the appreciation part um, is appreciation. Really, the appreciation starts with you, uh, with us, you know, because we appreciate, wow, I created that. You know, this is the thing. A lot of spiritual people get caught up in this whole idea oh, you know, I'm a bad creator, or I created this, and then they beat themselves up because they created something that they've judged, labeled as good, bad, right, wrong, whatever it is, right? But, uh, you know, the appreciation is, oh, wow, that was a cool experience, whatever that was. And yeah, look, I appreciate that person that was able to play that role. It could have been your parent, could have been anybody. And, uh, and that shifts things in a, in a powerful way because it brings the realism of what really is mm. okay this is sometimes when we have connections and just to throw this into the mix here uh some people have what you call alien experiences um they do not use the same definer through experiences so somebody gets uh, agrees from a superconscious level, but on an ego level, it just looks like they got abduct, uh, abduct, abduct, abducted, 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 yes. and uh, and uh, so they may have traumatic experience of that. And they say, "Well, how could they do something like that if they're even more advanced than us?" In some cases, they are mm -hmm. um, advanced for. Well, they don't have the same reference point. Mm -hmm. They have not the same labeling. It doesn't mean they don't have others, but they don't have mm -hmm. the same labeling. So they're not cold and horrible, whatever it is. It's just that 
they don't have the same reference point that they can say, oh, this person is feeling this. They can feel the input if they're doing something physical. They can pick up the vibration that alters and stuff like that. But uh, anyways, to bring it down to, to, to earth here in, in that regards, uh, yeah, when you're looking at everything as a creation and everything as an experience and everything um, is of our own design, and that none of it has to stay there, but there's no, no good, bad, right, wrong about it. This is the thing. The dropping of good, bad, right, wrong about anything, the appreciation then is easier. Because even something traumatic, like you said, you know, somebody taking advantage of you physically, and it can be from somebody in your family or whatever. I'm just using that as an example. If you still give a power that was something wrong and you don't say, well, no, no, that was okay. Whatever it is, you don't have to say that right away. You say, okay, that was an experience. And then you walk them through seeing it from that bigger perspective and then go into the appreciation part for them to play that role. And in some cases it was a tough role for them because they had to deal with their thing too. But, you know, and with that appreciation, you can now see what you learned or what you've done. And I know sometimes oh, I learn how painful it is. No, it's not quite that. You've learned how to feel disempowered so that now you have a reference point to become more empowered. And what does empowerment mean? Realizing that you ultimately design your reality and you can shape it any which way and you can choose to participate or not participate, comply or not comply, whatever. But even the compliance is not real. In the sense where it's like, why do you have to comply or not comply? The only ways, reason is that you're hooking up to that, that game, whatever it is, and now you, you, you choose. Really, it goes to the next level, and the next level is where it doesn't even come into your reality. So everybody's just playing out their role, but they're not, interfere, they're not intertangled or you know, uh, being part of your experience because there's no, in, no value in doing so at where you're at, you know, and what you're choosing to do. Uh, this is the re one of the reasons I also got into the whole idea of, you know, some people have talked about Ho'oponopono, not to negate it, because a lot yeah. of people are very um, resistant to, to what it is, but it changed. Yeah. It's not the same yeah, anymore. We had this conversation, right? Yeah. Yes. They Good. used to have just, they had the four statements. I'm sorry, forgive me, uh, thank you, I love you type of thing. Yeah, I think it ended with uh, forgive me or something like that. Yeah, yeah, forgive me or whatever it is. All of that's gone. So it's just, I thank mm. you, I love you. That's it. There you and go. A lot of people still, Back to truth. Back to truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and why? It evolved. It didn't need yeah. those other parts because years ago, forgiveness was necessary because a lot mm. of people could not get to that level of saying, forgive what? That person did that to me or whatever it is. And then saying sorry, which was the other part of feeling mm -hmm. that you did something wrong. Right? So um, I've been teaching this for a few decades now. And I've always said, thank them and feel appreciation for the role. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the ego, you know, if, you, if the ego is, well, yeah, I, I wanted to do that and I wanted to harm them or whatever or play that role. 
because harm is something else we apply to. But at the same time, I wanted to play that role and say, okay, great, you played that role, but you don't need to play the role anymore. And you can easily say, you know, I played the role, but I don't, it's not that I did anything. It depends on who you're dealing with that uh, interfered. Because see, the truth is, and it goes back to this, you cannot have any experience you cannot have any interactions. You cannot have anybody play any particular role unless it is agreed upon by both parties and a script is provided to both parties. Yes, it is in a superconscious way where in a sense is that you're not aware of it from the ego perspective, from, from your heart, you do know. This whole thing of being sovereign, you are never can change. Free will, totally, it cannot be removed or changed. Free will is just you in your empowered state, you know, consciously aware that you're creating it. Because most of the stuff we create and experience is unconscious. And that was kind of part of the experience and getting lost in the game. You know, that's a beautiful thing is like, if you're going to play a video game, you want to get lost in the game because you're going to have some fun with the game. But at the same time, you know, you also realize that you have the choice of how you're going to play the game, when you want to play, the game, or if you even want to play the game anymore, you know, any part of it, uh, what role you're going to play in the role in the game, you know, th that's all flexible. So that's, that's the, the beauty of it. So for me, it's always been, and I'm sure you're there now too, it's like, if I'm going to work with somebody, we're not going to do the dance. We're going to go right to the core. And this is the thing. People, more people are ready for that. Not everybody's ready for what we are offering. I'm saying right now, mm -hmm. because some of them still want to, to play in that world, but that's okay. Until it gets to the point to say, okay, I'm done with this. Now really have to look at that. Mm -hmm. And as much as, you know, most of the content I've shared over the years is, you know, always brings you back to, you know, looking at your programs, your stories, your beliefs, your perceptions, and your adopted ideas and whatever else that we've, and labels and definitions, because those are things that we've taken on, utilized as part of our experience, but we got this, this attachment issue going on, you know, the belief that it's our badge of honor whatever that experience was or what it represented and that it's a wound, you know, like people like to say it, but it's not, it's something that you're still putting a lot of power into it mm -hmm. and it's heavy. You know, people are talking about, listen, I want to go into 5d. Well, that's a, that's an interesting thing. I want to go into 5d. Why? Well, I'm tired of this, this life, or I want things to change. I go, no, it doesn't work that way. It's not about going into 5D or the world going into 5D. The world's already there. It's really about you. Mm -hmm. How do you get there? Mm -hmm. You got to let go of all your inverted 3D stuff and 2D stuff. The inverted stuff, you got to let that go. Mm -hmm. The more you let go, the more your vibration goes, the more consciousness you access, the more 5D you become and oh. beyond, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but if you're going to hold on to, oh, no, 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 I got all these badges on me, you know, this was rape or whatever. And, you know, I identify with that. Uh, my parents uh, made me feel bad because, you know, they said I would never amount to anything. Um, 
I failed in school, so I got this badge here. So you're carrying these badges. Well, those were all just experiences and you can, yeah, you want to hold on to it. That's great, but you're in the wrong place then. You know, mm -hmm. let's go play uh, and let these things go because if you want to go in 5D, because a lot of people, and I'm sure you see this all the time, uh, Katya, is that the reason people want these changes to happen around the world is because they are uncomfortable and they mm -hmm. want the world to be better for them. But the thing is, first of all, there is no better or worse, but if they're truly ready, and a lot of people are getting to that point now, and a lot have been in the works sort of thing, ready to really transform, it starts with you individually, for each one of us. So you make a choice, and what's the choice? Okay, I am now going to let go of everything that reminds me, everything, I shouldn't say remind me, but I, I have used as my way of life of inverted 3D, 2D. So then I go into this higher consciousness, this higher state and create my reality from there. At the same time, I'm also trans transmitting in a powerful way this transformation through the collective. Mm, that's how you do I, it. I love that. I love the reason, that. you know, the savior thing is another illusion. You know, well, the aliens, uh, the deities coming in and saving us or certain individuals like in politics or whatever, they're the saviors. Well, it doesn't work that way. There's nobody to save, first of all. No. <laughs> ready to change our experience, we do it. Mm -hmm. And we're the ones that are doing it. And when we do it, as we do it collectively, everything changes. It changes okay. because we're upgrading. It's not about good, bad. Mm -hmm. This is a horrible world. We got to go to a better world. This is where a lot of people say 3D to 5D because 3D is bad and 5D is better. No, 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 no. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's so really good too. Topic. But I, Franco, I don't want to interrupt you, but I do want to bring something, um, bring something to the surface because this, feels and, and seems, as far as my perspective goes, um, so important for people to recognize. Um, it's been huge on my own journey. I'm sure you've seen it with a million people yourself, and I see it in so many others, is once we're willing to let go of a particular way of looking at something, once we're willing to simply, in that moment, just say, okay, maybe I'll let go of the labels, I'll stop defining it, and then this other key piece of being able to see, let's say it's a, it's a relationship issue. You and somebody else, there's a dispute of some kind. If we can just for a moment see that other person as that player, who, like you said, we agreed to before we even incarnated, whole script, how the whole game was going to go in that small you know, regard. If we can allow ourselves to see them even just in a moment from that, uh, for a moment in that light, what I've seen, witnessed myself and in others, which is such great evidence, is immediately the outer experience changes. Um, and it's so profound. Uh, just to give an example for folks to give some context to this and why I'm so excited about it, is we can have a situation perhaps that uh, there was a client I was working with and they were very, feeling very, very hurt by a past lover. And the lover was around, they had such chemistry, and then all of a sudden they disappeared. And what was fascinating is that 
they stopped communication and we happened to be discussing this particular relationship. And I don't remember the details of, you know, the conversation to a T, but the, the gist of it was they in that conversation were able to let go of the attachment to the hurt that the other person had inflicted. And just for a moment, like we're talking about a minute, we're just sitting in this place of neutrality and looking at the other individual and for the first time really appreciating all that that contrasting experience had brought them. And literally while we were all engaged in this conversation, they receive a text message from this person who hadn't reached out in months and they're like, oh my God. So the evidence happens like it literally, our frequency shifts in that moment, allowing a whole other version of the reality to come forward. And there was another experience very similar, but just as fast. The issue was resistance to money. There was a financial dispute that was taking place with a company. So now it's not a person, a lover, it's a company, which seems like, how do you control that? And same thing, the discussion then, we were able to start working on the beliefs that this whole thing was bringing up. The idea that this financial dispute was happening and they were not able to get their money back. And what that was really, what that meant to them and what that meant who they were and the beliefs behind it. The moment, it was, it was amazing, Franco, the moment those things were brought to the surface into their conscious awareness, we hadn't even done a process. In neither of these cases, there was no process that had been done yet. And then while we're on the phone, and you can see when someone has that moment of, of a, a shift in the perspective, like, oh, okay, maybe it really has been, maybe I've been playing a part in it. The phone rings from the company that moment while we're having the discussion and they didn't take the call. Obviously we were all on a call, a group call in, in one of the programs that I was running at the time. And uh, they go back to get the message after the call and they said, you won't believe it. They called to tell me they want to give me my money back. Like it was instant. So it's just so powerful. And we don't really often, I think if we could, if we could see the end result, before we had to come to the conscious shift in terms of how we were seeing it, it would make the, the job of shifting our perspective seem like, oh my gosh, what's the next thing I could work on, right? Because it's just so evident in the life experience that we have. Maybe you could speak to that. Yeah, no, that's an excellent uh, uh, examples that you've given. Uh, mm. because it works that way. The one thing that you brought up that is really important too is that um, even before you start with someone, you say, okay, let's take a few minutes, let's close our eyes, focus on the breath and so forth. And that's bring them to a very neutral, peaceful state and you know, connect with their heart, whatever it is. And you guide them through it, right? Through that whole process. Then you can now bring forth something that they want to deal with. But from that space, what was there is going to look very different. It's going to feel different. It's going to look different. And then you can say to them, okay, let's go into that appreciation. Feel that almost to the point you're hugging it and whatever, whatever that situation is or the person or something of that nature. And then, you know, feel the love you have because it's another part of you and whatever else. So if you walk them through that Part of the process 
you will see that what you were going to work with, that old story program, whatever labels, looks very different, so much easier to clear. And at the same time, like you said, which is perfect for this, is that the moment you extended that appreciation love for say the company or that individual, then whatever was holding back the transition that required, because it's been waiting and waiting and waiting. It's like, oh, I want to give the person the money back, but somehow I'm, yeah, I can't, I can't. But they don't know why. Yeah. It's because the individual on the other end that's supposed to be receiving it is still needing that experience. So the moment you've extended that, you, you, you now given them, okay, you can now follow what you feel like doing, which is give back the money or, yeah. uh, you know, contact me because we haven't contact, you know, talked for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's oh, the thing. It doesn't that. have to be difficult. No. And you just brought something else up too, Franco, that I, I would love to speak to which is, I learned this in my own journey of this kind of work and it was funny. So there's one thing, I've noticed that there's sort of, there's potentially two parts to this, right? When you bring, who would be the victimizer and whatever the situation is, when we're envisioning them in our mind and trying to see them in the light of them being in service to us. I found when I first started working with this idea that what would happen is I would pull them in front of me. And I think you were the first person, you, you asked me, you, you, um, we were on a conversation about something and I've seen this in others and seen it in myself from that first conversation, which was like, okay, now, now see them and ask them why they were doing this, why they did this to you in the first place. And without doing this part two that I'll mention in a second, it was like, I didn't realize that my ego was able to step into the process and then tell me, were they're saying that I was, you know, I was just, I deserved it because I was rotten. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so there's so, something so powerful, of course, about bringing the other person into your mind. And this is the thing that I, I really love that we are able to have conversation and bring resolution to relationship dynamics and situational dynamics without having to pick up the phone and bleed your heart to the other person. It's just so not necessary. Um, but that when we do this, that there's something very important about being aware and asking that the person's highest essence comes in front of you. Because then from that place, at least what I've found, maybe you could speak to this, is that the, the ego almost says, okay, well, I can't, sorry, I can't, I can't, I can't step in now. <laughs> so it does more easily take a back seat. And then you're able to have that conversation. And for maybe the first time, see for yourself, or maybe it's your client seeing for themselves that, okay, they were actually, they love me at a soul level. They love me. And they were doing this because I asked them to play that part. So I could come to this realization and then expand through it to realize and understand and experience more of who I am authentically as a source creator of this experience in my own transformation. But if you have anything to add to that, I'd love to you hear You said it. it so perfectly. I don't think there's anything <laughs> to even add to it because it's so oh. well uh, explained and, and it's great. I mean, this is the thing is uh, what you've described there. Um, 
it's very powerful. A lot of people think that they have to confront someone or do something of that nature when it's not really necessary. Um, I've done it with people that the person passed away, mm. you know, and but they're still holding on a lot of resentment and they're still feeling their presence there and so forth. And you know, and when you do that, what we just you just described, you just bring them in and say, okay, see them in front of you see them as you remember them and that's mm -hmm. let's have a conversation with them and this is the beauty of it too because you can have a conversation with them especially if the person is in that state where they're not reacting but they're you know you got them to a point where they're calm and they're connecting with themselves and then they say okay i've seen it many times just to give you an example where they had an issue with their mother you know, and the mother passed away and so forth. So that's envision mom. Okay. And so you're looking at mom and you can help them ask the questions. So mom, what was going on when, uh, you know, I was a child and we were playing, uh, you know, we were in each other's lives and whatever else. And you were, you know, yelling at me and whatever it was, right? You'd be surprised when you're tuning into it. A lot of times you say, well, you told me to say that, to be that way, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I was dealing with some challenges in my life and I lost, I lost my cool. But for some reason, when you were around, I felt really compelled to lose my cool, right? So you're getting a version of their higher aspect communicating and telling you exactly how it played out. Mm -hmm. And there's been occasions where they said, you told me not to back down at all mm. because in previous lives, when people backed down, you weren't able to achieve what you needed to achieve. So I had to use all I had capable to push you as hard as possible. Mm, that's so beautiful. Yeah, and, and it's like, they, and then the person that you're working with is breaking down in tears in the yeah. sense of joy, not mm -hmm. that, it's joy. It's like, oh my God, she loved me that much that she took on a really hard role and to be able to be, because the thing is, you, you can ask, and I've done this before and say, mm -hmm. you know, you were my child. It was really hard for me to do this, to play this role of being, you know, not so nice or whatever it would have been, or to be, you know, difficult in that. Yeah. that and it really changes profoundly everything. Oh, yeah. No, I see that. And Franco, um, you just remind me that one thing that's good to be aware of too uh, is that to look at your own life. I had this experience several years ago that was so profound. And uh, I remember telling you this story, actually, of what I had just experienced. But being, being aware of when we are the ones when we are flying off the handle, when we are acting like completely irrational about something that we might not normally, that that is usually an indication of the time that you're playing the role for someone else. Yep. And that was a huge moment in my life earlier in my journey was uh, I had an experience with, um, it was kind of a boyfriend at the time. And this person was kind of new in my life and I was very, my whole life had always been very calm and very, you know, easygoing and very light. And in this particular instance, they said something or behaved in a way that I flew off the handle. 
and I had never done this before, I blasted them like I've never blasted anyone. I'd always had this like inner knowing about myself that I had like a razor tongue. So if I ever wanted to, I could really be mean. So I was never mean. Well, this day in text, oh my God, I sent the worst words possible. And then I stopped after I hit send and went, what the heck was that? Where did that come from? Not knowing in the moment that what was happening was I was being in total service for that other person. There was a soul agreement that had happened. And looking back, it's like, okay, so that became like a clue for me to know what to look for that I share with, uh, with my folks is like, okay, you see that in others when they're being really nasty with you, watch them when you're doing it too. And then you kind of get a sense of, you're able to pull yourself up out of the game for a moment and see which role you're playing that I found so helpful. Yeah. And the thing is either you're taking, you know, you're taking turns and sometimes mm -hmm. you're playing together yeah. uh, where both parties are serving each other at the same time, you know, mm. <laughs> that's even worse. Yeah. So playing the role back and forth, yeah. uh, you know, the child may be a certain way and then the, uh, the mothers or the mother, whoever it is. And, and, and that example you gave is, is uh, like, I'm a very easygoing, calm guy. I don't lose my cool. Because uh, I, you know, for me, it's always been, yeah, it's just a game, whatever it is. It's always felt that way. And uh, I also found that not, not that I would lose my cool where I yell, sometimes I can get a little forceful. I haven't experienced that in a long time. It's, it's a, you know, a decade and a half. But at the same time, I saw myself uh, doing that. And so no matter who I was dealing with, I, I would never, I, I, that wouldn't come up. But my ex-wife, my first ex-wife, uh, I don't know what was about her. You know, at first I, I say yeah. that loosely because it's exactly what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And not that I was mean to her or anything of like that nature. Um, I really call her out and be very firm because she played a very powerful role in the sense of, um, I had some sensitivity to the untruth. I had a sensitivity to basically liars, people that would, you know, concoct the different versions of things when it's not the same. It's not uh, exactly how it actually plays out. And, um, you know, so someone that would just take advantage in the sense of take, 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 take until somebody would resist. Right. So I became very super sensitive to that with her. And it, there's been others that would play the exact same role, no problem, okay? <laughs> uh, partner number two was that with a couple of X's on the back of it, like me, <laughs> 10X, well, not quite 10X, but 2X or something. Um, but it, it was different because I didn't need to play it in that way. And it was more for me at that point in time to make adjustments in myself. But with my ex, my first one uh, that I had the kids with, I was playing a role for her and she was playing a role for me because I had to learn a lot of neutrality, even deeper neutrality. You know? So I had to discover all these other trigger points that I had because, I mean, we're all having human experience. You plug in different labels and so forth. So she was very useful for that regard. However, I was very short with her a lot of times because a conversation has to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. If you're going to say something, it has to be true. Or don't give me a version because 
yesterday you told me one version, today is another version, two minutes later, it's gonna be a different version. Like I had no patience for that, right? It's like, what do you want? What is it that you, you're trying to tell me? And don't give me these stories. Like, and I would be very like short with that. Sometimes it would sound like I was just being not so nice to her, <laughs> but it was really because of that. And um, even when we separated, uh, it really pushed her big time because, you know, uh, she had all this stuff on it. But I've seen her change. Like, we've been apart now for what, 17 years? We've been separated. But, you know, I see, the, I see her a lot, uh, a lot, once in a while at family functions and stuff because, I mean, she's still the mother of two children, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not somebody I can have a conversation with because she wasn't in that boy. However, she's changed so much. Even the kids used to be afraid of her because she would take tantrums and whatever. But she became so different now. In fact, she's like mothering with the grandkids, but she wasn't with her own kids. You know, wow. it was it was really different. But that was all because it was a, a whole dance. I had to take on the role of mother mother, father, yeah. provider, everything. But that was my experience. So it's exactly what you said. It was with her, I didn't have that same, and it was out of my character because it wasn't something I could do. Like you said, it's just like, sometimes I go, wow. I didn't <laughs> even know I had that in me, you know, in the sense I can go yeah, down that totally. path, right? Um, I remember one time she, lied to me and so forth and i even slammed the door of the car or whatever because <laughs> faked this idea that the car broke down and whatever it is and it was just because she wanted to be in the car with me or whatever just the two of us and uh, this was after the separation for quite some time um and it was my car and i'm slamming the door and i'm going <laughs> Well, I've never done that before. You know? I can't even picture it. I can't picture it. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't either. But then, I, you know, after with a little bit of reflection, I go, oh, yeah, I'm playing the role. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, we, we have to, this is why the thing is, the, the whole idea of forgiving others and forgiving yourself, it doesn't, it, it just keeps those things alive. So you want to look at mm -hmm. it and say, okay, I play the role, they play the role, whatever it is, we're serving each other, we're assisting each other and whatever else. And you make adjustments mm -hmm. accordingly. Do I have to be the same way with her now? No, she's a very different person. And everything that we went through, you know, she benefited through our time together, but she also benefited even more without my presence mm. at that time because the reliance wasn't there. She had to actually learn how to do things and be a certain way, whatever else. And then became nurturing. So my grandkids are, are enjoying what my kids didn't, you know. Uh, I hear that a lot though. You know, is that you find that's like um, a very common um, dynamic that forms and maybe it is, I've never really looked at it this way, but until you mentioned that, maybe the whole grandparent thing, because I don't know, <laughs> I haven't heard any child who's now an adult that looks back and says, you were never like that with me right mm -hmm. we could maybe just attribute that to like no longer having to play the role so they can be the nice guy <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly and the roles were i mean you know she was quite a character but she was able to play the roles re really really well and i know mm -hmm. of, uh even when kimberly was with me at one time we went because kimberly comes with me you know we're 
she knows Kimberly and Kim, Kimberly knows her very well for quite a few years now. Um, and I know when the grandkids came along and she, and she says, you know, I'm trying to do everything I didn't get to do with my kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like a compensation now. Yeah. But the amount of patience that she has, she never mm. had before. Um, the nurturing part, I'm going, wow. You know, because at that time it was just like, it's about me. And uh, yeah, I want the kids because it defines me in the family, you know, because it was expected of her. Uh, and it was like, I got to have, that's my trophies. The kids are the trophies. Uh, but at the same time, like even when it came to breastfeeding and stuff like that, well, I'm not doing that, you know, type of thing. And now, you know, with my grandkids, it's like, you know, convincing my daughter, no, it's better, keep going, you know, whatever it is, right? <laughs> and then go, wow, new person here, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And this is the thing. So we have to look at it. At the time, the roles are being played out exactly. It doesn't mean it has to be the same anymore. Mm. And we're all evolving anyways, we're all changing. So even the roles that we were out of our range that we were able to play before, we can't probably even play now anymore. You know, to go back there again, it's, it's almost impossible now. So somebody else will step in and play that role because you know, if you can't play it. So it's not about, oh, I gotta stay in the state that I am because I'm serving people. Just be yourself. And whoever needs a, a particular polarized experience will have other playmates that are still at that point where they can take on the role, right? And then step into it or, or else, no, it won't. Yeah. And it seems to really unfold very naturally. Like when you no longer have to play that role, you just, you're not triggered in the same exactly. way. It's such a beautiful perfection. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know how long we've been talking, but I think we'll have to... Uh, Wrap yeah, up this has been this great. episode. Yeah, and, um, we covered a lot of really great ground. Yeah, fantastic. It's uh, it was. Uh, I think we hit some pretty really uh, potent uh, areas, points, and so forth that really make things. Because right now there's so much going on, as you can see, mm. uh, in everybody's lives and and whatever's playing out around, mm. so that. Uh, you know, getting that different viewpoint and really triggering that knowing within each person that's listening at this time yeah. uh, will help them and uh, to navigate through all of this stuff that's going on. Not that any of this stuff is bad. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, a transformation, a wrap up, uh, you know, it's a, it's, and the thing is too, a lot of people say, well, why does it have to be so crazy and whatever else? Well, you have to understand. Look at your, our lives. How many times did we have to have something really intense before we actually redirected our lives or let go of something or something? For example, somebody's in a relationship and they're so afraid to lose the relationship because they'll never have another relationship, blah, blah, blah. And they hold on, hold on, hold on until it gets too unbearable and then they finally let it go. And after they let it go and I go, wow, man, I didn't, I didn't realize I held it that long. Why did I? Because look, my life's way better now or whatever it is. When I say way better, it's lighter. It's the same thing. Right now, there's a lot of people invested in so much time, so much energy in the old world mm -hmm. and, and the labels and whatever else. So things are getting challenged in a big, big way so that people get to the point of saying, okay, I'm ready. We're gonna, um, doesn't, doesn't matter what it takes and it doesn't have to be painful. I'm gonna drop certain parts. I'm not gonna give power to it. I'm not gonna engage in it and whatever else. And then all of it starts a, a whole 
a, a chain of events to change shift all of that mm -hmm. so powerful and maybe the last thing if i could add one thing to that yeah go ahead um which we've talked about but it just feels like a perfect time for a reminder is if this kind of stuff does resonate like this perspective resonates with you and you're watching or you're listening that maybe try on the idea of a new way of holding space you know people are so much more open now than they ever have been to hearing um, a more unified truth perspective and from that place you know going as deep as deep as we can to this higher truth of who we really are not from a religious context or a cultural context or any of that even not even just a human context right it seems to be the universal equalizer mm -hmm. right it brings us all into this place so yeah i think the more of us that are able to practice holding that kind of space so instead of offering advice just holding the space of being the rememberer <laughs> shining that light we'll be able to really support each other in the most profound way so thank you so much franco this has been really wonderful chatting well, thank you thank yeah. you for uh, and i look forward to our next one so yeah i'm sure we have many many topics that we can uh no shortage. unpack <laughs> no shortage <laughs> no not at all mm. okay till next time uh mm. have fun thanks